Welcome to the Trek Convention Podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, we'll be discussing our favorite Trek headlines, shining a spotlight on the latest Star Trek series, and discussing everything we know and love from the Star Trek universe. All, of course, from a fan's point of view. And in this episode of the Trek Adventure Podcast, we'll be discussing the latest updates from the Las Vegas convention. We'll also be discussing Janeway's return in Prodigy and the road paved with good intentions. All this and more in this episode of the Trek Convention Podcast. Hey, Jenna, how are you? Hey, Bill. I'm good. How are you? We say hey a lot, don't we? Hey. Hey. So what's new? What's going on? I hear you've got the cutest cat on the planet. I do. She's up here with me right now. Really? Being being cute. Does she bark? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's where the no- that's where the noise you sometimes hear comes from. Great. Always love barking cats. So let's get to it. Convention corner. Convention corner. Convention corner. Convention corner. So, Jenna, it turns out we are now less than 90 days away from the Las Vegas convention, which just seems like crazy talk. Yeah, and the fact that that a lot of places are lifting the mask mandates makes it even more likely that it's going to happen. Yeah, I think the Nevada governor just said, "Ah, we're done. Do whatever you want. Um, I still think people will wear masks because the Las Vegas casinos are pretty crowded. And and the convention itself, it's it's like thousands of people. So, um, that's going to be uh, a reason to for some, some people, and maybe even me, to wear a mask. Depends on how many people have a cold when I get there. So I did notice they've added quite a few new guests. I think four. Last time we talked, they'd had Nichelle Nichols at 109, and now they're up to 113. Uh, one of them I noticed is Julianne Grossman. Trivia question. I don't know who that is. I was going to say, <laughs> you know who that is? She's actually the voice of the Discovery computer. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. So it's interesting because <laughs> she was at one of the conventions one year, I think when Discovery had, had, had was, was out and people had seen it. She wasn't part of the, the show where it had been done, but no one had seen it yet. But uh, it was interesting because you kind of recognize her voice. And she points out this was the first time she met her castmates because she'd always been in a little recording booth somewhere. She has She's a professional. She has one in her home with a high-speed connection. So they, they'd never met her. They're like, oh, so they didn't know who she was. And I feel like they met on stage in Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Which then also begs the question, remember our, our conversation about who would you have a photo taken with? Yeah. Um, would you have <clears throat> Would you have your photo taken with a behind-the-scenes person? Personally, I wouldn't, but... I could see you adding it to your collection. Well, <laughs> um, I think part of it has to do with whether or not you're into the like the the show from a character actor standpoint, or whether you're into the show from like the fact that it's a, a television show. They've also added Jerry Taylor, who is the executive producer of TNG. <clears throat> Speaking of people behind the scenes, uh, which I think would be kind of neat. I don't know if she's oh she's going to be on a uh, on a on a panel apparently so. They, of course, all the dates are TBD at this point, which 
it's to be expected this far out from the from the show. They're usually printing the the uh, programs like right up until the last minute. Uh, and you might find this interesting. Mario, I'm going to pronounce his last name wrong, but it's Runco uh, Jr. is uh, making an appearance on stage, and he's uh, he's actually an astronaut. They're probably putting together some kind of a panel on the science of Star Trek, and that's what I would think that they would bring an astronaut in for. Yeah, because there is a professional uh, professor of biology and dean of nature studies at Duke University. Um, there, there's a few other people in, in the sciences, but, um, yeah. And that, that's, that's not an uncommon thing. There, there, the scientific involvement in the production of Star Trek, even back in the sixties has been a, uh, has been a thing that, uh, has put it above other shows that just sort of like wing it. They have a research professor, Dr. David Williams, uh, School of Earth and Space Exploration at Arizona State. So they're, I, th- I think you're right. They've also got a couple of folks from a podcast. If you're into podcasts, podcasts really aren't my thing. Um, but they also have Ron Moore, who, of course, has just produced some stuff, is still producing stuff for uh, Apple Plus. Apple, the For All Mankind series is getting good reviews. And Scott Mance. He was on one of the entertainment shows. I don't think he was one of the hosts when you uh, when you were at at Vegas, but um, but he's uh, he's very energetic. I get tired by the time he's done interviewing, but everyone is entertained, which is great. Uh, I don't think they've added any more cast members. One of the latest ones I had seen was a, a gentleman named William Knight, who was a crewman from the original series, which is uh, is he the guy that dies to prove the situation is serious from Galaxy Quest? Oh, you were talking about the guy who played played like a crewman on oh, oh. the original series, and I'm like, <laughs> is, he, is he the guy that dies to prove the situation is serious? <laughs> uh, I don't know if he dies or not. We'll have to we'll have to figure out which. Oh, he's crewman Moody, uh, and Vaughn Armstrong will be there. He's um, has the distinction of playing the most Star Trek characters, I think, in the franchise. I think it's like thirteen. Um, which uh, it's sort of a contention between, I think uh, most people think it would be um, Jeremy, uh, Jeffrey Combs, because he's played like a number of on-screen characters. But uh, but yeah, Vaughn has been a lot of them. He was a Klingon. He was obviously a key player in Enterprise. He's been around the block. He's been around the Starfleet block. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it should be a great convention. Uh, I'm curious to see how many people actually uh, show up this year, given the the number of times it changed and the, some of the the higher end tickets, whether they kept their tickets or or, or, or turned them in for the for the cash, just because they weren't going to be able to go to uh, because of the pandemic and flight and travel and that sort of thing, especially some of the international travelers. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited, as I've said in every single podcast since the dawn of time. Uh, I'm excited. And there seems to be a really good, really good uh, group of uh, celebrities and production people and everything else coming to the coming to the show. So it should be a should be a red letter year, a banner year. Anyway, so what's next? Series spotlight. Series spotlight. Series spotlight. Series spotlight. So as we've talked about previously, Kate Mulgrew is returning to the Star Trek universe, which we're very excited about. We love Kate. Mulgrew. Um, 
So she's coming to a show, an animated series called Star Trek Prodigy, which I think we 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 talked about. It's, it's going to be geared toward younger children. But she did re- reveal recently in an episode of the Dennis Miller Plus One podcast um, how they're going to bring her back. Because uh, I think there's, uh, it didn't occur to me, but I'm sure it has occurred to a lot of other people that there could be issues with canon if it doesn't happen in exactly the same time and space as when Janeway was uh, returned from the from the Delta Quadrant, and where does that fit in canon, and how does that fit with the other other shows? Uh, but as it turns out, as she says, um, the, the 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 core of the show is that five kids. I'm quoting from her: five kids are incarcerated on an obscure planet in an uncharted part of the galaxy. Uh, they escape from their imprisonment and race across the planet to find a, she says, defunct starship buried in the sand of the in the planet's service. They 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 jump in. They try to get it going. It doesn't work. Somebody hits a button, and suddenly uh, a hologram pops up, and it's Janeway saying, "Oh, I see you're having a bit of a problem. Can I help out?" So what they've done is created, um, like they did with the, the holographic doctor. Um, EMH, the Emerging Medical Hologram, and I think they also created, I forget, the Emergency Command Hologram, which is when the, the captain is is out of commission, they can put somebody in charge with command experience. They've created a training program, a training hologram. So that's how they're bringing Janeway into this, into this show without dealing with where and when and time and age and et cetera, et cetera. So she's a hologram, which I think would be fairly neat. Well, it's interesting because she could have, that could have been a step down for her. Like now she was this admiral and everything and she was famous and now she's just a hologram. Or it could be a step up in the sense that she's an admiral and she's so famous that it made sense for her to be on all the ships as the, um, as the holographic commander. And I'm trying to remember. Actually, I believe at one point she did talk about in the in the very last episode of Voyager about giving. She was still teaching a class at the academy on the Borg. Again, having been the only captain, or being the captain that had engaged with the Borg more than anyone, and more successfully. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if she was uh, like full time at the academy, but um, so clearly this is a callback to to that and her her training oh, okay. experience i think i don't know i mean we'll see if they explain it or not she's very excited because it's a, it's a show that um she thinks that younger kids can walk with their parents and their parents would have seen voyager and so they have something that in common to share uh i like the fact that they've brought her back without doing any sort of sleight of hand when they brought McCoy back in TNG for the first episode, he was like 850,000 years old or something. And he looked like a little old man because he would have been. So they tried to create continuity that way. And of course, Scotty was trapped in a a transporter loop to keep him alive. So that's how they, you know, time moved him forward. So they don't really have to do any of that this time. They just, they, she's a hologram and she's in training. And so they've got her experience uh, we'll see how that affects her humanity from the point of view of um, how she deals with people and what her, her training to the kids is as far as like how to deal with difficult situations. But being a show for such younger kids, there may be a little bit less nuance when it comes to the the, the, the black and whiteness of, of things. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a, a good way to bring her back. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't. I still don't know. I don't think the article says anything about when the show will air, um, or whether in their production or not. But so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good show. Apparently, it is. Uh, it is premiering in 2021 on Paramount Plus, of course. Um, That's this year. It is this year, which is surprising. They they they've seemed they don't give us like months and days. They give us years because uh, Discovery season four will be in 2021. So we know it's coming. So we'll keep our we'll keep our subscription running just in case it's this month. So I have a feeling people with subscriptions, particularly if there's a show that they like, they'll cancel the subscription until it comes on. I think everyone learned that from uh, HBO and uh, Game of Thrones. When Game of Thrones was off season, they'd cancel the subscription, and then when it came back on, they they would re up. So, but yes, we will see Prodigy Star Trek Prodigy in 2021. So what's next? So we decided this episode to take a look at In the Pale Moonlight, which is a DS9 episode considered one of, if not the best episode in the Star Trek franchise. So, I mean, from a technical point of view, it was the 19th uh, episode of the sixth season. It aired on April 15th, 1998, just to give you some context. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, this probably won't make a lot of sense to you, but it's it's a really good episode when it comes to, particularly in, in light of the newest Star Trek series that are a little bit more nuanced when it comes to good and bad and um, the compromises that happen in between. Uh, and it's just, it's just a well-written, really, I, I want to say it's a fun episode. There's a number of things going on. There aren't a whole lot of actors in it. You know, most of the cast is, have sort of supporting roles. It mostly includes Cisco and Garrick. And of course they are, you know, the Starfleet captain who is the 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 best of the best. And then there's Garrick who's a little nefarious, works in the shadows. So it's uh it it plays between the two of those. And of course it has one of the one of the uh the great quotes from the from Vrenak, the the Romulan senator, which is maybe second only to Shatner's con, which is it's a fake, and I did that very badly. So it was it, it was a it, it was a great episode, and it, and it broke as you pointed out, it broke the fourth wall. It was one of the few, if not the only one, where they where the character actually speaks directly to the camera. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was I thought it was really really interesting. Um, I. I did like the way that it broke the fourth wall, um, but I did also like the way that it highlighted that um, Garrick was willing to do any any means necessary to get the job done, and um, Cisco was too, but he just didn't believe he was. But in the end, he did what he needed to do to to save lives. Yeah, and what I think is interesting too is, and he says this. Um, but we don't ever see it. He says, you know, I've talked to Starfleet and I have their approval and I've talked to Starfleet at several key points where, where rules are being bent, but we never see the conversation. So from an audience standpoint, we see him making these decisions and kind of getting approval for it, but we don't, we don't see an admiral somewhere saying, oh, this is a great idea and we really need to do it. So you, you don't feel the support um, of the Federation in this. So it very much feels like it falls on, on Cisco's shoulders. Uh, and to your point, there's a great quote from uh, Garrick where he says, that's why you came to me, isn't it, Captain? Because you knew I could do those things that you weren't capable of doing. Well, it worked. And you'll get what you wanted, a war between the Romulans and the Dominion 
And if you and if your conscience is bothering you, you should soothe it with the knowledge that you may just have saved the entire Alpha Quadrant, and all it cost was the life of one Romulan senator, one criminal, and the self-respect of one Starfleet officer. I don't know about you, but I'd call that a bargain. Which is very kind of not Star Trek Starfleet. The idea of like compromising no. is is I mean. That isn't something Captain Kirk would have said. Let's put it that way. No. I think it was a very pivotal episode for the Star Trek franchise. Uh, and anyone who's seen the, um, the documentary about DS9 knows that um, being the, what they considered sort of the unloved Star Trek actually gave them a lot of flexibility to do things that were different because they, they, they were the, the, the dark-haired stepchild. Um, even Red-headed stepchild. Uh, yeah, sorry, the redhead stepchild. <laughs> uh, uh, there's even a great sequence where Cisco has to convince Quark not to report something. There's been a crime committed by by. Oh the, right, right. And and he's going back and forth, and he doesn't know how to bribe uh, Quark. And he, you know, what can I do to make this go away? And and he's like, "Is this a bribe? Are you bribe?" Thank you for reaffirming my my faith in in the, the the universe that any man has his price, which again is a very funny, very cute scene. But again, it gets back to the idea that this has cost you something. Anyway, I just thought uh, there, there's just, and I, I th- think I'm not alone in this, but it's considered one of the, the the better episodes of Star Trek, and of certainly of DS9. Um, and uh, like I say, it really sets the sets the tone for a lot of what came afterwards in uh, in Discovery and Picard and and a lot of the other shows. Particularly when you think about Captain Lorca and and that that uh, particular storyline. So I thought it was worth taking a look at. Uh, and if anyone has any any thoughts on it, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear what you think of it. Or if you have an episode you think is better than this, but uh, I would I would be skeptical. Well, that's all we have this episode of the Trek Convention Podcast. Thanks for joining us in this, uh, this episode. This is our fifth episode of the second season, by the way. A personal best. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Trek Convention Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. The Trek Convention Podcast is brought to you in part by .comsagogo. .comsagogo is your one-stop shop for domains, domain hosting, branded email, and more. No matter where you are in the galaxy, make sure everyone can find you with your own unique domain. .comsagogo. Connecting you to the universe and helping you. Go boldly. Go to trekconvention.com sponsor for rates and deals.